Welcome to the Rising Warrior Podcast. We are here to provide a holistic approach to the betterment of warriors, helping warriors bridge the gap in their healing journey, find themselves, find who they truly are, and provide tools to help themselves and in turn help others. We are here to break the mold and discuss what it takes to thrive in life. So let's rise above together. On today's episode, we talk about all things healthy masculinity with our good friend, Chris Marhefka. Chris is a former business owner and now CEO and co-facilitator of Training Camp for the Soul. Chris has led multiple men's retreats. These retreats are gatherings of men to provide a time to come together to heal, connect, and learn what it means to be masculine in the most healthiest and most authentic form. Throughout today's conversation, we get into the difference between the wounded and mature masculine, how chasing money and success can lead to burnout, how and why it's important to learn how to soften as a man, and much, much more. If you find any of this episode entertaining, interesting, or valuable, please share so that this information can get into the hands of those who need it. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Rising Warrior Podcast. I'm JP. Uh, unlike the, all the other podcasts where Lance introduces, I'm here for you. <laughs> and today we have our guest, Chris Marhefka, CEO and facilitator for Training Camp for the Soul, and uh, one of my mentors over the last year and a half almost. Um, Chris, thank you for being on. We're really excited to have you. Thank you for uh, hosting me on here, gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. Ho- hosting me. I love that. So, <laughs> so proper. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So we wanted to bring you on today, Chris, and have a conversation about um, around your journey as a burnt out entrepreneur, chasing money, the conventional ideas of success, um, and, and how did you get to teaching other people how to heal trauma, how to connect with others, the deeper layers of self-development. Um, we'd love to hear a little bit of, of your background uh, there, and then we want to get into some other questions uh, later on around uh, training camp for souls, some of the work you've been doing, and specifically around the men's retreats uh, as well. Beautiful. Uh, I'm in for it and for all of it. Where do you want to start? Uh, let's back in your journey before any of this work began. Uh, what were you up to? I know you ran a few businesses. What were you doing back then? What was what did your life look like? Give us a you know a day or a week in your life, and then cool. What did that transition happen for you? Cool. Take your time. We got a 90 minute podcast. So hell yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, when I be, like pre pre doing this work, I'll say pre TCS for me, um, I was what most people and myself would call an achiever, a hard driver. Like everything about my life was working hard to achieve goals. Uh, it started from a very, very early age as, as early as I can remember. Um, I was the hardest worker in any play, any team that I was on, any class that I was in, I was the hardest worker. And in the scoreboard of life that I was measuring, I was doing well. I was, uh, I was, I was winning on sports teams. I was doing well in school from the standpoint of getting good grades. And then, uh, fast forward to life post school, I was doing well in the scoreboard of business. I was achieving, I was setting goals every year. I was hitting them. 
And um, I, I learned the lesson of what it feels like to put in, uh, put a plan in place, commit to it, work really hard at it and um, get the outcome or get an outcome. Um, the challenge that I ran into, and this is um, everyone that I, I talked to on this path of like hard driving, uh, growth oriented, achiever mindset, uh, runs into this at some point. Some people may be feeling it right now or starting to, or, or some people may not be there yet, but getting to the point of feeling burnt out where I had uh, every day expending as much energy as I could uh, to the point to where, I mean, I, I, I was sleeping three to four hours a night consistently, working 80 to 100 hours a night or a week consistently, um, I was training. Uh, I was a I was a professional athlete for many years, competitive athlete, and um, training twenty to thirty hours a week on top of that, and and also like attempting to have some form of a life uh, outside of those things. And uh, what it led to for me was my body broke. I had a series of unexplainable at the time, if they felt unexplainable series of injuries uh, after it was like, it was like for three years straight, it was just injury after injury. And as soon as I would like get back from one, like 75%, something else would happen. So my body was, was breaking down uh, and, and to the point to where it was noticeable as visual. And I'm sure internally it was breaking long before that. That was when I started to notice it. Uh, my, my mind was starting to, to burn out as well. I was getting to the point to where I would just dream about like just leaving my office and driving into the woods, like not telling anyone, not bringing anything, just like getting at, and can we curse on this? Oh yeah. Fuck yeah. I, I thought so. Okay. <laughs> like, getting the fuck out of everything and just yeah. checking out. And in fact, I did burn out twice in my entrepreneur career where uh, I just, I did that. I just left. I, I literally just checked out and told very few people. And, um, it, uh, it, it never, it, it never ended well. Uh, <laughs> um, and then uh, the last piece of it. So my body broke, uh, mentally just completely worn out. I was using every ounce of energy that I had and my, my brain power, my willpower was just like running on E. And then finally, the last one that like really the straw that broke the camel's back was emotionally. I was in this place where I didn't even know why I was working so hard anymore. I, I, I had no sense of real, even though I was checking the boxes of my goals, I had no sense of real accomplishment. I what I call fulfillment. There was no joy in my life and what I was doing. I was questioning everything. There was no clarity. Um, and I went through that for a few years in this uncertainty because I didn't know what else there was. Like my whole life was conditioned to just work hard and grind. And without that, like, I didn't know what, like, I was just, I noticed I would just shift my grind to different areas just so I could continue mm. to grind until there was nowhere left to grind. Like, uh, I couldn't grind in, in, in my body anymore. It was broken. I couldn't grind in business cause I, I couldn't even, show up at all. And, and I couldn't grind in my life with my, mm. with my wife at the time. And because emotionally I was just devoid, I was numb. 
And um, so I, I hit a very strong breaking point, which led me to uh, finally be open to seeing something, a, a different path. And fortunately, I had a few people show up in my life that guided me into this work. Uh, I met uh, Anat Perry, who's now my, my partner at Training Camp for the Soul. And I went through the program as a client and it fucking changed everything for me. Like I imagine that the three of you have some of your own stories around how it changed for you, but it shifted so much about like what I was doing, how I saw myself, how I saw my businesses, how I saw others in the world. And it led me on what is now three, uh, over a three year journey um, since that point of rewriting the way that I want to live rather than just the way that I was living because I thought it was the only option. Um, mm. Yeah. And that, that led me to uh, start facilitating this work um, about two years ago. Um, I had always been a coach as I was an entrepreneur, I was always developing myself. And then as I was developing myself, I was teaching those things that I was learning to people that were a couple of years behind me. So I was always coaching, mm. but it wasn't until I found this like, like deeper layer that everything started to click. Uh, everything that I had learned up to that point made more sense. I was applying it now and things in my life were actually changing on a, like a real substantial, in a real substantial way, rather than just like a surface incremental improvement over time, which is what it had been up until this point. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then here we are today. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thank you for sharing that. That was really powerful. Um, I, this is uh, something that hap that conversations we've had a lot with veterans that um, you talked about the the ideas you had around success, your journey to to getting the things and having the house and the white picket fence and and the business that's successful, and that at one point there is basically an oversaturation of uh, success uh, and achievement or at least conventional achievement what we think of that um one of the things that in the in the veteran and first responder communities is that that culture is very pervasive it's it's grind it's let's get it done it's fucking suck the suck it the fuck up and let's get after it and i first want to say like there is a place for that and a time for that there, there is a very that's, that's a gear that i recommend every man has in, gets in touch with um and it can be extremely debilitating if that's the main thing that you're focusing on and, and how you're actually leading your life. Um, and you've, you've, we haven't gone down this rabbit hole quite yet, but I'm curious to hear a bit more about how you started to, in that process of transformation, what was it that really started to connect you to the fulfillment, what started to connect you to the fulfillment that you were, that you had been looking for and how did that shift your perspective on success, on, uh, on, on what you had, essentially the life that you'd built, the ego that you were, that you're operating on. Yeah. The first thing, the first piece that really clicked for me that made the biggest shift was, um, really, really simple, but it was the belief that everything was going to be okay. 
and and for me like it seems so simple but for me the doing was a way to get to somewhere because i was afraid that like i needed to keep going to keep life moving and just this sense of like it's okay to stop for a moment it's okay to to pause not always be on that gear of a hundred percent like pedal to the metal like all gas no brakes um i agree full heart like wholeheartedly wholeheartedly with you that that is a gear that every man should have and think about it if you were revving your your car to 8000 rpms consistently it would wear out and the engine would break it would explode mm-hmm. and um and and that is the that is for me i it almost felt like i was forced to find another gear because every everything did break my engine got to the point of probably close to irreparable mm. and and fortunately um it was repairable uh, i have <laughs> repaired my body i have repaired my my mental capacity my my emotional state um and so that was the first thing it was like this this like deep sense that like oh everything's going to be okay for me like i can i can take a moment and mm-hmm. it was in that uh permission that i finally gave myself in that space in that slowing down that i finally started to appreciate the things in life i hadn't even acknowledged like the small moments the celebrating the wins the finding joy in um finding joy in just uh playing enjoying life um finding uh gratitude for all the things that i had done that i that i had received that i had in my life and not just always seeking for more um mm-hmm. and it's it's a double edged sword because the seeking for more the driving for more is what makes us so powerful as as in the masculine especially mm-hmm. and and also there's an end to that. And so, um, I found my end and fortunately I found it at 30 to 32 and, um, I made that shift. So I love the fact that I have that gear. And this was something that I started to really appreciate in the last year of my journey is like, Oh, I can fucking turn that on anytime. Mm-hmm. And also I don't need it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh yeah that was it and 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 for me i learned i learned a very strong belief of uh suffering and this mm. this got yeah this got passed down uh this is this is my father still holds it very deeply uh his father uh and every male uh, especially in my life that was an influence on me um was reinforcing the story of you have like the only way to success is to suffer. And by suffer, I mean, it's like work hard to the point to where you compromise your life. Like you just give up everything of self in service to others, in service to purpose, in service to, to hitting your goals. And um, what I can appreciate it about it now is that my grandfather, who is an immigrant to this country, probably needed that he needed that sense of like to to survive like to feed yeah there's no failure i will accept no failure yeah Yeah. Yeah. and so so that was really useful for him 
and then that got passed down to my father. My father had a much better life than, than his father, yet still was carrying on a lot of that. And now I have a life that, uh, in, in, my, in my sense, I had a better life than my father, and yet I was still carrying that as well. So I was still operating out of survival mm. rather than realizing that there was actually nothing for me to survive. I have an enormous mm-hmm. amount of gratitude for that is like, I know a lot of people have it much worse than me. I know that I have so much in my life. Um, and so there wasn't really anything that I had to survive, but I was creating a survival state to the point to where when things were going too well, I would create challenges unconsciously because I needed a battle to fight. I needed to be suffering. Uh, and, and it's, yeah, it's, it's all unconscious. It's one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on outside of the fact that you've been all of our mentor in one way or another, um, is that your story has so much resonance with the veteran and, and first responder experience. And I, and I mean that in along that thread you were weaving there of sacrifice of, I'm going to grind this thing until like, I don't know anything else, but this grind, because it's the one thing that gives me uh, validation. It's the one thing that gives me um, uh, any sort of worth uh, mm-hmm. in, in my life. And, and one of the reasons <clears throat> I bring up worth and, and unworthiness is that um, I'll peel back another layer. <laughs> we have an incredible sense of conditioning uh, if you're a veteran in the military, I'd say a first responder as well. It's part of the, the training pipeline. Um, usually any career where there's your helper of some kind, you're a savior of some kind, a hero. I mean, I, I fucking hate the word hero um, in the way that we've used it. Yeah. Um, that's one of the reasons, because a hero is constantly sacrificing. He's got to pick you up. He's got to save you. And it perpetuates this idea that that's what a hero means. And how uh, we as veterans and first responders need to show up. So, to pull another layer back here, um, talking about belief, you brought this up a little bit um, with regard to your belief that you needed to suffer. Such a fucking powerful point. Um, When you started peeling back the layers on your beliefs and you started to see that there were some themes happening around your life, uh, what what did you? What was your reaction, your experience in that initial phase of exploring those beliefs? And, and what I mean by that is, how did you receive the news now having this awareness of, holy shit, I've been living this way and it's done X, X, and X in my life After, you know, before you got to the blissful gratitude part? What was that experience like? Yeah, the first thing that happened um, was everything started to make sense when I started to understand beliefs. Like I could look back and like connect the dots of every single way of being, every decision I had made, every behavior started to make a lot more sense. Um, and it, it gave me a lot of relief, to be honest, to have mm. that, like that, to have those dots connected. I had relief because what previously felt like it didn't make sense because logically it didn't make sense what I was doing and I was trying to make sense of it. But when I I saw the pattern and I saw the belief system that got passed down to me, 
it was like a breath of fresh air where I was like, okay, at least now we have somewhere to work from. And (laughs) yeah. And, and it was, it was around that time where I was like, okay, these are just the beliefs that I've been uh, following, Mm. like believing in. I started to ask like really opening questions like, okay, so what would another way look like? And then people in my life would actually start to pop up where I was like, where it would be an example, a model of a different way of success or another way to Mm. to relate. And and so um, what was probably more accurate is those people were always there, but I was finally ready to see them. And, and, and like experience the medicine of realizing that my way wasn't the only way. It was just the way that I, I was unconsciously choosing. And so when I started to see these models of, of different ways of being, it started uh, the way I describe it is as, as if my, my eyes just started to gradually open and open and open more to where I was seeing more, seeing more, seeing more, seeing more. And um, for me, um, I think that process can be overwhelming. It can mm. be, it can bring up fear. Mm. Uh, in, in my personal case, um, because I had hit my rock bottom and there was like nowhere else to go, it was pure relief. And it was, it was opportunity because I know I had within me to work towards something that I wanted. I was just now in this place where I could now choose the, what I wanted rather than it being choose for me, if that makes sense. So I was like, okay, I know that I can create the life that I want. And I thought I knew what that was, but now I have so many more options of what that can look like. I just started moving towards the ones that felt more like me, like the life that I wanted to live, the purpose that I wanted to, to live in. And, um, as I started doing it, I started feeling better. Like as I started moving towards the ways that were more me, I, I, f- I felt more ease in my life. Things got easier. Um, I, a lot of these like physical injuries and, and illnesses started to fade away. Uh, my, my mind was at ease. I, I, I can't tell, like I imagine some listeners and you guys might resonate, but I couldn't go to sleep specifically because my mind couldn't shut off. And for the first point in my life after doing this work, yeah, I know, John. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. And so for the first time in my life, my mind was calm. My body was relaxed. I can't remember a time where I had a relaxed body and I wasn't constantly under, under tension. And so those were just some of the, the byproducts of, um, moving towards new beliefs. And what I think is really cool about being human is we get to choose every moment what that belief system looks like. And we get to keep a belief system as long as we feel it serves us. And then at any point, it no longer serves us. We can start looking for another one to replace it that better serves us. And so it's this... Yeah. I'm going to pause you right there, Chris. Yeah. We're, done. Yes. We're, done. We're just going to end on that. I, 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 for people who haven't been, uh, who haven't done any belief work, who haven't done any introspection, who haven't, don't know themselves very well, the concept, even the concept as, as a written idea that your beliefs are things you're choosing to, uh, 
take on and body work, you know, work through to create action out of, uh, is already such a mind blowing idea. Um, I'm going to come back to that and, and ask you to, to peel that layer a little bit. You talked a bit about how your, your perspective started opening up. You started, your eyes started seeing these new possibilities and you realized, I imagine that your reality, or at least what you saw as reality wasn't completely accurate and that there was a, an entire new realm of reality, mm -hmm. uh, that you could now tap into. So can you take us a little bit on a journey between, uh, belief and reality? What, and how, what you believe creates your perspective or your reality. Show us a little bit of that. Yeah. I'll, I'll use a personal example. Um, I, I've worn uh, contacts and glasses for, uh, I, I wore them from about 14, 15 years old. Yeah, maybe a little earlier, but until I was 20, 20, 21, um, when I had a, a laser eye surgery. And when I, if I didn't have them in, I would see the world as incredibly blurry. Like nothing was clear. Like I, mm -hmm. I couldn't drive. I couldn't play sports, like not a chance. Um, and so when I got this eye surgery, the specific one that I got, it was like a, a two week healing process. And when I would go to bed at night, the first night, everything was completely blurry the way that I remembered. That was my reality. And when I would wake up in the morning, it was like 5% clearer. And I would notice this 5%. I'm like, whoa, like I can actually see more. And then the next morning I would wake up and it was 5% more. And, and that happened for like a two week process. And every single time I woke up, I didn't think it could get more clear. And it did. <laughs> it, better. it kept getting better and it kept getting better. And I was like, mm. I was like, I thought I knew what perfect vision was the night before when I went to sleep. And now, oh shit, it's more perfect. And maybe <laughs> more perfect. Oh, yeah. And so um, that was like a real tangible example for um, this idea of beliefs, like belief systems is we get so used to our vision. We get so used to the way we see the world and ourselves mm -hmm. that it feels like the only way. Mm -hmm. mm. And then change is uncomfortable. Yeah. Change is very uncomfortable. Uh, even, even if it's in a positive direction for you, it's still new and mm -hmm. new is always going to feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the, the resistance oftentimes comes in is, is like, is like your, your, our, our bodies are incredible vehicles at maintaining homeostasis. Our belief systems are the ex exact same. They will fight to keep them in place. Mm -hmm. um, and so the, the famous ego. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I relate, I relate this whole thing to like, if we were to talk about our belief systems uh, under the process of something, everyone understands uh, mm -hmm. like walking. Mm. So if, if we had to get up out of bed every morning and consciously relearn how to walk, aka relearn our belief systems, mm. we would get nothing mm. done. 
we would mm-hmm. spend the whole day relearning how to walk and then we'd go to sleep and have to do it again. And so what our body does is it, it starts to program. Like as you get better and better at walking, it remembers it and our body remembers it and remembers it. And now all, all of us can just stand up and we can walk without putting one ounce of energy or thought into it. Mm-hmm. And our belief systems are the same. They get ingrained and they get ingrained and then they operate with, with zero energy. Uh, and that's by design. Like our bodies are doing an incredible job. And some of them are not working for us. It would be, yeah, it would be like if we learned how to walk with uh, a limp, because I don't know, well, for whatever reason, like we had an injury as a kid and we learned how to walk with a limp and we never relearned how to walk. We would spend a lifetime with that limp, mm-hmm. not realizing that we could actually change it. And of course, we would see other people walking smoother and we'd be like, oh, wow, that's possible. Okay. Wait a minute. <laughs> learn how to do that. Um, yeah. But we get so um, we get so consumed with our perspective that our mind actually blocks out all the evidence that would prove our beliefs to be untrue. And this Ooh. is a really yeah, this is really important concept. So say that one more time so everybody follows that. <laughs> so our mind will block out you from seeing, hearing, or experiencing any piece of evidence that would prove your current belief system to be untrue. Said another way, the mind only seeks evidence to support your beliefs, mm-hmm. period. And so if you have a belief that life is suffering, like I did, that's all that I experienced in life was suffering. And so that's, that's how we are creating our reality. That's, that's the reality belief concept is when we are believing something to be true, we only see that thing. We don't see all the other options, all the other realities that are possible for us. And it's, it only takes one crack of the window, one crack of the door open for there to be a change, for there to be an an opening, if you will. As long as you're completely closed, nothing's going to get in. You're airtight. Your beliefs are airtight. But as soon as you take a step back, maybe somebody asks you a question that brings something up. This is what we do as coaches, is we ask curious questions that bring people to a new perspective and they're like oh something else is possible Mm. maybe it's something happens in our lives like what happened with me where it almost forced me to see a new perspective Mm -hmm. and that's where we get these opportunities to change our belief systems yeah i want to make a comment real quick uh because that's a very profound statement that I imagine a lot of people haven't heard, right? Like this idea that we're going to block out any evidence that suggests that our beliefs would be untrue. And so the, on the flip side of that, as someone who coaches people through this stuff or guides people through these concepts, uh, some of the pushback that I get is often that like, you know, or not the pushback, but this idea that like, oh, well, if I just change my beliefs, it's just going to change what's happening around me. It's not that simple, right? Like if, if I were to just 
tell myself like, oh, I believe evil doesn't exist in this world. That doesn't mean evil is going to disappear. And, and, and that's important to uh, distinguish because as you're doing this type of work, like it, there's layers that need to be pulled back. And, and what we're actually talking about is like you're not changing reality by changing your beliefs. You're changing your perception of reality. So the thing itself still happens, right? Like that external event still happened. It didn't go away simply because you decide to, you know, try to choose to believe something different, right? However, the way that you experience that event will change. And then what you at least set yourself up for, like you're saying is next time something like that happens in the future, your experience of that will change by shifting your beliefs. And I, I love your your analogy of like, you know, if, if the doors just cracked open a little bit or the windows just cracked open a little bit and you can see that as a possibility, right? Like this is something that I tell my clients all the time is that if there's one person, all you need is one person or one example that suggests otherwise from the current narrative that you're telling yourself, that's all you need. If you can do that, you're going to give yourself a fighting chance. So like, like it's a it's a nuanced conversation that I wish it was that simple of like change your beliefs and you know change your world. Like it is that simple and at the same time like this is why it takes constant practice and showing up and why doing work like what you're talking about especially around belief work, you know, is so important because like it still does lead us down the path that will essentially change our lives. However, it's not just like oh just do this thing and, and your life's different. So I Yeah, it's I, not a hack. Yeah, it's 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 not a hack. I know we as especially in western civilization like we want these quick fixes and like they sound great and they're peddled to us all the time and the reality of it is that that's not how life works. So the the story of the sub running the sub 4 minute mile comes up. And this comes up quite often yes. in, in this realm. Um still putting in that work. I don't remember who ran the first sub 4 minute mile and like this individual put in a lot of training beforehand. And then he had the belief that he could break the sub four minute mile. And after that happened, don't quote me on these numbers, uh, within the same year, like 11 other individuals broke the four minute mile. Um, yeah, I like, yeah, I really liked that. And I like the way you shared Chris that, um, and we're on a good riff right here, guys. I'm really excited about this. Um, I like how you shared that there was a door opening um, and we, we've had a few people, oh fuck, man, this is good. I've had a few people come on and talk about ayahuasca and plant medicines lately. Right. And we're not going to endorse or not endorse these things. We're, we're exposing them to people and showing them what's out there from both perspective, from several different perspectives. Um, and one of the things that, that I imagine you've had experience with, well, actually, in fact, I know you have experience with, um, and every, all of us actually do is that it's a gateway opener. It's a, it's a consciousness expander. And what we talk about a lot is integration. So somebody, let's say in, in Sean's uh, example, somebody in your life shows you that this could be possible. And you're like, holy shit. I now see that this thing, this belief, this way of being is, is, is a real possibility in my life. The, what is your perspective on the process for us to then take that doorway opening and applying it into our lives in a way that's sustainable, transformative in the true sense of the word. Mm -hmm. Like I actually live differently, not a, I did a breath work one time and I feel different. Yeah. It's a, it's a great question. And I think it's the, 
uh, it's actually a really simple answer. And I like to mm. keep it simple so that it feels manageable. And the analogy that I'll use for this that I think will resonate with a lot of people listening is because we've all been in fitness in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll use the, the back squat, for instance. Like I, I self-taught myself how to squat. I just put weights on. I squatted, squatted, bro lifting, like just mm-hmm. doing the thing. The first time I had a real coach, they showed me what a proper, like to get more towards a proper squat. And I got my, and, and they were able to show me and put my body in the best position that I could get in at the, at the time for what was more ideal of a squat, more healthy of a squat. And so that moment right there is, is the, is the opening. It's the moment where I was like, oh, wow. Like I was doing it always this way. Like this is something new. My body felt it was new. It felt better. It felt smoother. Um, but it was completely new movement pattern for my body. And so the integration is simply just putting my body in that position the next day and the next day and the next day Mm. and not just going, not just because like, okay, so the coach showed me, I felt it. Okay. I get it. My body gets it. Next day, the coach isn't there. It's a lot easier just to go back to what I was doing. It's more unconscious. Mm. but instead I can choose to intentionally, okay, what did he say about my knees? What do you say about my heel? Okay. I'm going to do that. Good. Okay. I'm going to back in the, okay. That feels better. Okay. Now get a little bit more this way. Okay, good. And then, so it's, it's a lot more of like this intentional repeating process. And every time you bring intentionality to it, you can, you have the opportunity to get every, uh, every repetition can get better. And so what happened was the, 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 the day after that first coaching session, I didn't have a perfect squat, but it was better than the day before. And then the next day, it got a little bit better. And the next day, it got a, lot, a little bit better. And 10 years later, I was in a, a smooth, comfortable squat that like felt great and uh, was, was close to ideal for me. And, and the same thing happens with our integrating our new beliefs or behaviors is that if we have this big experience, whether it be breath work or plant medicine or, or, or just being coach facilitated, that's literally the coach supporting you and getting you in the right squat position. But as soon as you go back into your life, it's on you to repeat that. It's on you to practice it mm-hmm. because after that, that coaching session, I probably went into a, a poor uh, a, a poor squat again and like of course that was going to happen that's what my body knew but it was just the intentionality of like okay i feel i'm out of out of alignment here i'm gonna get back into alignment and then it's just it's the it's the the constant uh vigilance i i, I call it vigilance or like relentless pursuit it's the pursuit towards excellence of this one thing that is that's integration it's just you keep doing it you keep doing it and if you do it intentionally you you will get better Mm. and and i imagine the first few times you got into a more proper squat form it was uncomfortable oh well (laughs) yeah zero weight on my back and it was more strenuous (laughs) than 400 pounds 
<laughs> I was sweating. I he like made me stay there too. So my body would start to remember it and reinforce. And I was sweating. I was shaking. <laughs> and I was just like doing it, doing an air squat. Yeah. It was so uncomfortable. So yeah. it was- yeah, uh, it's important to, to remember that, like Chris, you talked about like the body's ability to maintain homeostasis and something that I've learned, you know, outside of doing like this type of work and just seeking general knowledge, uh, this, this idea that the body wants to exist using the least amount of energy possible. And so because of that, it's going to like, it will purposely remember patterns, whether you like it or not. Yes. And so something that's, re- that's important to remember here for our listeners, you know, and especially if you're just getting into this work, and even if you've been doing any type of work like this, you've been trying to make big shifts in your life, and you notice that you're still coming up against resistance, because something that I hear quite a bit, especially in this line is that like, oh, just follow what feels good. Or if it doesn't feel good, then you're on the wrong path, which isn't necessarily true, because it's like we like you talked about we've talked about it's like we resist change and so when we experience change we experience resistance and so it's like remembering like i have years of subconscious programming that has got me to this point i now have this new awareness that whatever like we'll talk about beliefs right like these beliefs exist and it's like you have that aha moment like oh man life makes so much more sense now this is why i've been showing up the way that i have this is why i've been experiencing my life the way that i have and then it's like I have this new uh, awareness around these beliefs. And then we think that like everything just changes from there when what's going to happen is you're, you're going to resist that even though it's something that you want. And so remembering that in the process, like I have years of repetitions in, right? Like your squat looks the way that it did because of years of doing it shitty. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's like, you learn to do it the, the, a better way. And it's like, you're going to need to put reps in and you can leverage the fact that you do have this newfound awareness and put the reps in that way and like really focus on that. And I, I love the, uh, the word that you use relentless, right? This relentless pursuit. Like if you just do it every now and then either you're not going to see the results or it's going to take a hell of a lot longer. So like for anybody out there, who's like, I've been trying to do this work. I have all this new awareness and it's simply not working. Like ask yourself, like, are you really putting in the reps? Yeah. Uh, Sean, appreciate that perspective. And what, what it what it, um, it reminded me, Chris, is that in your journey, you were talking about your story beforehand that um, you had practiced a lot of things like this. You'd done a lot of reps of things. You, I mean, an athlete in business, whatever it was, you were practicing reps. And I, I, you, I have heard you often say that healing is nonlinear. That these this this change of shifting your beliefs and actually uh, living a different life is nonlinear. And there are specific t- background tools, things that people have done in their lives that can, that are catalysts for some of that change. So there are versions of Chris out there, or you know, different people who are very well practiced. They go through this work, and they're not as quick to uh, integrate to actually apply it to their lives. And they're, I imagine, people who went even faster than you did. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I'm curious how. Before we get into the other topic, I really am excited to talk about um, how did your experience in in the grinding, in the doing, support you in now shifting your perspective uh, into incorporating these new beliefs during your transformation? Can you ask that again? How how the previous beliefs supported the new beliefs? How your previous sort of um, um, 
activities as a as an athlete, as a guy who followed reps, as a as a as a business uh, uh, um, owner. How did those practices help you integrate these new beliefs? Uh, great question, and I think that it was a gift to me and my ability to. <laughs> move through personal development or deep healing work quickly is because I understood the commitment to a process. And what I mean by that is my whole life was, was commitment to process. It was like, okay, if you, if you do good in school, you go to better school. If you uh, do good in sports, you play on better sports teams and you go play at a higher level. If you do good in business, you have more money and like all these things. And so like, I understood like, okay, if I put in more hours, I do. So what, what I, the gift in all of that was the same. It was okay. If I do this thing that I believe is going to lead to this outcome, I can forget about the outcome and I could just do the thing. And that's actually a lot easier than every day coming back to question the end goal. Because there's going to be days where it doesn't feel like you're making progress. But the, the committed athlete in me was like, well, I'm still going to do it anyway. I'm still going to train anyway. It's on the program. It's on the plan. I'm going to do the thing. And that is, that is something that I think the, the, the warrior archetype has going for them is that mm. they know what it's like to just like head down and laser focused and just like go. And for me, I, I trusted the process of repatterning and shifting my beliefs that I learned in training camp for the soul. And I did this program and I'll tell you for, for the whole three month program and the three months after it, I did the things I repeated my affirmations. I, I did the breath. I was, I was doing the practices and when I really looked around in my life, nothing really looked different. Mm. But then all of a sudden, it was almost exactly six months from when I started. I looked like I picked my head up and everything was different. <laughs> and that was because I just committed to the process. I was like, I'm going to keep doing it. I trust that it's going to work eventually. And that's what a mentor shared with me a couple of years ago is, he, he said, um, he was speaking about it uh, generally, but he, he said that if you could have the life of your dreams and all it required was for you to do this one thing every day, he, he was referring to meditation. He was a meditation teacher for me, but he's like, if you could have the life of your dreams and all you had to do was do this meditation every day, would you do it if, if it took one year? of every day doing it. I was like, yeah, would you do it if it took two years, five years, 10 years, if it led to the life of your dreams, like every wildest dream. And he kept going and I was like, yeah, I would still do it. Like I would still do it. And so that's the mentality that I had. And then I encourage people to have, because when you have that, you wake up one day and you literally have the life of your dreams and you didn't realize that it was happening along the way because you were so fucking committed to the process and just doing the thing. And um, it's actually easier. Like I never question. well, that's not true. I would question it, but I would do it anyway. I'd be like, is this really working? I would have those days where like, ah, nothing's fucking changing, like doing this bullshit. 
I was like, okay, well, uh, I at least had someone that I, I was looking at. They did it. Okay. They did it. Cool. I could do it. Uh, do the thing, do the thing, do the thing. And, um, it, it was, it became my greatest gift. And that's how I, that's how I attack everything is like when I was learning how to play the guitar, it was like, okay, so I just got to pick up the guitar for 10 minutes every day. All right. I'm going to commit to doing that for three months. And then I'll decide if I want to keep learning the guitar at three months. I was way better than the first time I picked it up, but I didn't mm. notice it was happening. I was mm. still frustrated. Oftentimes I was still fumbling around, but when I looked back, I was like, shit, I couldn't even put my fingers on the right strings. Mm. You, if you had a gun to my head now, I'm just tuning away, like jamming away. Mm. And so, um, that is the invitation. It's not easy to do because it requires you to trust and it mm. requires you to do the thing that's uncomfortable. That's why I say like, when people say like, follow, like follow what feels good. Um, I, I have a different mentality that's worked for me. It's, it's, I move towards mild discomfort. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like mm. be in pain every day, but I move towards things that are mildly uncomfortable. Like I take ice baths every day. There's rarely a day that I'm like super excited to get in that ice bath but I do it anyway. And I always feel amazing afterwards. <laughs> Move towards mild discomfort. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, I, I find, um, I usually use the word fear, but mild discomfort's great. Um, fear is a good compass for me. Now, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go climb a building and jump off a building because it scares me because that's just straight up stupid, but finding <laughs> something that scares me and that's relatively safe. Let's say, you know, calling somebody or calling somebody out or something. Usually it's a good thing to do. Yeah. Uh, so I use fear, quote unquote, fear as a compass for me. It, I love that. And the gauge that I use is somewhere between completely comfortable. And I feel like I'm going to die if I'm going to do this. <laughs> and then, Honestly, I, I work backwards from, I feel like I'm going to die until I can get to a point <laughs> of like, I, I, I can do, I can do this and it might still really suck, but I just work mm. backwards. And then I finally get to the action or the timeline that feels at least 1% doable at mm. least to the point to where I can overcome it and do it. At least 1% doable to add on to the, the fear thing. Um, I was talking to a friend about this and fear. So emotions, feeling emotions in the body. Well, we might get to this. We've talked about it in the past. Um, fear represents in the body, the same as excitement. And my buddy was like, fear is excitement. And I run towards excitement. And I was like, Oh fuck, dude, that was gold. And I was like, all right, cool. I, I run towards again in context. I run towards fear. Yeah. It's a really useful arrow to head towards with, I, I especially like uh, the belief work we've been getting into too. So if you're using that as your arrow, then going to do the, the thing that you fear, coming back and re-examining, like what are your beliefs around that that keep you going in this direction? If you're starting to hit walls, because sometimes we're going to use that fear as a, as a directional arrow and then we're, we're coming back into the same issues over and mm -hmm. over again. You go, wait, 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 there's a pattern here. Let me look again at these beliefs because I'm obviously getting stuck here. Um, so I, I like that, that loop. It's a good practice. Um, I want to 
I want to jump here a little bit, Chris. Uh, you you have talked about your journey, uh, a little bit about belief, and now this this integration period, this embodiment, the actual. This is the part that people say do the work, like actually doing it, uh, whether or not it's effective. Right, that's part of the game is is to see if it's effective for you. Your mind's gonna play tricks on you and tell you it's not effective. <laughs> right. Like right. 100% of the time, like that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, and recommitting yep. when that happens. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I, um, this is for my, the, our veteran crowd, like we know what it like, what it feels like to be um, square, smack dab in, in, a, in the middle of a rite of passage. And I, I want to loop this back into that journey because uh, in, in, in my journey with you as my mentor, I went through your 90 day program and that's like, Every week, you get a couple coaching calls. You have some modules to do, and then you're just in the world. There's no, there's no. You're not going anywhere. You're just in your house doing these things, and slowly that awareness aperture is opening up, and you're seeing these patterns. You're like, holy shit! I may have built an entire life that I didn't want because of these beliefs. So, it's 12 weeks. It's a ride. It's, it's, it's. If you guys are interested, check it out. Um, and I noticed that there was some powerful value in the rite of passage that I uh, experienced through your retreat. Um, and I, I, the reason I bring that up is because it's the sexy shit. It's the, it's the couple of days where things like change and it's like, whoa, and you get this like insight. And for some people, you reach levels of consciousness you haven't touched before, all kinds of different things. And it's also something we're used to uh, with regard to the military experience. We know that on one day, someone shaved your head and you stepped on some, some footprints and started getting yelled at. So you know the experience of like, boom, we're, we're doing this thing now. And then you realize that after that, you're a uniform, you're doing it over and over again. So there is this integration period, this practice period. So we do it backwards in the military. Um, what is the function of a rite of passage, first and foremost? And secondly, how do you see that the, having a rite of passage in this type of work helps us get to the next level? I love this. Um, I, I believe that rites of passages are explicit opportunities for us to change our identity. So when we go into a rite of passage, we're one version, we're one person. When we leave that rite of passage, we have an opportunity to be a completely different person. And so they are literally pattern interrupts in like the most, in like the most life-changing ways. They shatter the pattern and force you to rebuild it. That's why they're hard. You're literally forced to rebuild yourself. And think about it. Like, you like in in the most uh traditional sense a boy is a boy until he has some certain tribal or traditional rite of passage and then he becomes a man a completely different identity with a different set of values with a different uh belief system than a boy just in a few days or a day or or a moment and that's the opportunity every time we go into a rite of passage. It's a, it's a graduation of sorts. It's a shedding of the old and a finding 
the new from within, from external challenges. The external challenges just force the internal challenges. That's all they're doing. Like that's, that's what military training does is they force external pressure to train your internal state. So when it's needed, it will be there. And that's what all of life is doing at any given point. External pressure is causing us to deal with and train our internal state so that we can respond. And I think the gift that, that you all have in serving is that you've learned that process of life throwing shit at you and still being solid in your center, still, still moving through what's there at some level and still doing the job. Like that is a tremendous gift. Um, mm. If it's directed towards something that serves you. <laughs> that's the key point there. <laughs> that's, <Chris. yeah. laughs> that's what, yeah. that's what I was going to bring up that yeah. <laughs> there are, and I, we're going to say this flat out, uh, the military has an unhealthy rite of passage because it's not your own journey. It's not in your not growth. Yours. It's actually quite the opposite. Become this identity that we need you to become. And I'm fucking grateful for it because mm-hmm. I wouldn't be standing here if I hadn't gone through those things or haven't experienced that. Um, I, you know, in the military, you have several rites of passage. Different trainings have their own rites of passages, et cetera. Um, different ranks when you get to them. Um, and so healthy rites of passage, this is one of the reasons why I found your the retreat so transformative beyond the actual experience itself was I, I knew this. It was like, I, it was like a, a, a primal uh, knowing of like, I know what's happening right now. I'm here for three days. I'm shutting off my phone. I, I've been here before. And it was exactly that. I surrendered to the experience and was able. It was my first retreat personally. Um, and it, thank God it was my first retreat. I, I'm really happy I hadn't done like a yoga retreat or a meditation. I'm happy that it wasn't one of these like, all right, brother, sit down. We're going to get into your shit. And uh, after this, you're going to see what's possible because um, – and this isn't going to be the, the case for everyone, but to share with the audience that what I tapped into in that moment after those three months of, of integration and actually doing that work slowly was what I – for the first time in my life felt was a personal North star, a personal definition of what it means to, to be, to discover your purpose. And what I mean by that is I didn't find it. It wasn't something that was lost and I had to go look for it. It was something that I was able actually able to tap into a, a sensation. I was able to feel among, among a bunch of other sensations. Um, so, you know, to use the rite of passage as as a as a jumping off point for a conversation on purpose, what is your perspective on number one, how rites of passages can help us evolve uh, into our new identities? Because you already covered that a little bit. And then number two, how does that then inform your purpose or a sense of purpose or a, or or a, or a living on purpose? Yeah. Um, the, f- the first thing I will say about any rite of passage, like you could say this about a lot of different things, is that most people will misunderstand it. A lot of people will judge it. Even being in a rite of passage, you oftentimes misunderstand it or you judge it. And so I think that rites of passage are useful when you're 
like true, like high, highest self, like the, the, like your true version of self, like knows it's time when you know, it's time for a rebirth, you do something like a rite of passage, like your program, like training camp for the soul, like a retreat, your soul knows it and is pushing you towards it. And, um, a lot of people in your life, when you go through these rites of passages that we, we all go through at periods of our life, a lot of people don't understand it. And sometimes they judge it. And sometimes they fall away as a result of doing the rite of passage. And by design, that rite of passage is shedding all the things that are no longer you. I intentionally said no longer you because they were at some point. But life is calling you to change and mature and develop and grow up and clean up and wake up. And the rite of passage is just the container where that happens. It's the old falls away or is ripped away in a lot of ways. Like it's, it's, it can be a, a, an emotionally violent process. Um, and in that space, of ripping things away, the new you arises out of the ashes. It's like the Phoenix is like, you literally arise and a new sense of North star is, is there. It's like the North star has always been there, but the more layers you peel back of, of what's not you, the more clearly you can see it. It's like Mm. my vision of my eye surgery is like, I thought I saw it. Oh, and then the next day I woke up and it was actually clear. I was like, oh, that's, that's actually my North Star. And then it kept going. And this is the process we do in our life as well. If we choose it is we can continue, continue, continue to go deeper and, and, and find that like truest calling because mm. there was a time in my life where running a CrossFit gym felt so aligned for me. Mm. I was lit up every day that I did it. I was, I was so uh, in love with my life for a period of time. And then as I grew and as I developed and that thing stayed, I was getting further and further away from it. And so the tension grew until it broke and I had to go through a transformation. I had to let that part of my identity go. I just look at it like, like clothes. I, I, I clean out my closet every six months or so. Because I'm a different person every six months these days. Like I'm constantly developing. And so what I, what I, what I love changes. Mm. Um, and I, I, I've gotten to the point where I've done it enough times to where I not only accept it, I fucking love it. I love mm. it because I know that every time I go through the ringer, it's always better on the other side even though the ringer fucking sucks, like it tosses me around, like you have a couple bumps and bruises and scratches, but I always come out better, better for Mm. me, better for what I want. Mm -hmm. And and it's the choice to go into the ringer. That is the courageous. Like once you're in it, the ringer, the rite of passage, like you've chosen and it's, you're going to, you're going to get tumbled around. And then, um, the, on the backside is, is the integration to like really set it in. But there's so many moments in my life where I've asked the question, like, what if I get so far, I can't go back. 
And then the immediate follow-up question, actually a, bu a buddy of mine, I think Sean, you were there at that, the first time this happened to me in, in Imperial Beach, a few friends were hanging around. I was like, guys, this is early in my journey. I was like, I was like, what happens if I can't go back to the old me? And someone's like, huh. would you want to? <laughs> like, Good point. <laughs> Good point. That, that, that was not pleasant. Okay, cool. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I like, I, I really like that you, you hit on, first of all, that you, you've, you've, for me, I'm, I'm going to pull out two themes here that number one, your purpose isn't something externalized. It's something that you experience, something you feel, something that drives you internally, which is something it's, it's a pervasive idea in a, in the military and first responder community that, uh, your purpose is the thing you find that it's going to be out there. And one day you'll just, Oh, I stumbled upon it and, I, and I'm here now. And I'm, there's a, there's a sense of like wanting it to be complete. Like I have arrived. It's similar to like retirement in my, in my mind. And the second point is what you said that, um, you have accepted that, that you are a process. And each one of these righteous passages, each, each new up level, uh, as I've heard you say it before, is just uh chris the process of being a human and and the expansion of that thing um so i appreciate you bringing that bring that up it's 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 a key key point for a lot of a lot of our audience a lot of the the, the guys and gals that we want to talk, chat with can i dive deeper into purpose yeah please please um yeah <laughs> no no we're done no, no, no. <laughs> um because i i realized this i I imagine this is a really important piece for for your audience is is purpose and it's ingrained. Um, I want to actually pull apart the word purpose, mm. and and I'm I'm going to pull it apart into three types of purpose, and these three types help people to better understand the journey of purpose. Um, the purpose that most people describe is the purpose that that you talked about JP. It's like this, it's retirement. It's like doing the thing that you're known for. It's mm -hmm. like you, you, you write the book, you do the thing, you create the program, the business, whatever. It's like you get to a point and you've made it. Like that's the end destination is, okay, I hit my purpose. Check, check the box of life. That's how most people think of mm -hmm. purpose. And there is some truth to that. I, I would say there's some accuracy to that where we are, my belief is that we're on this planet to do something, to add value in some way to the collective. And that oftentimes means we're bringing something into the world. And so this first level of purpose is the purpose of bringing. It's the one where we're all trying to put a label on it. It's like, oh, this is my purpose. Oh no, this is my purpose. And it can be fleeting um, for a lot of people because the first two levels of purposes haven't been addressed yet. And I'm going to go to those. They get actually more esoteric, more, more woo as they go. The first one is really concrete. It's like the material thing that you're bringing into the world, purpose of bringing. The second one down from that is something I, I didn't really appreciate until recently in my life. And it's the purpose of becoming. And it, it, it touches on this idea that we go through phases and seasons in our life. And at any given season, any, it could be a few weeks, it could be a few years, but at any given season, 
life is asking us to deal with something. It's asking us to heal something. It's asking us to put our attention on something. So for a period of your life, a, a purpose of becoming may be to, uh, to be the best soldier that you can be. And then maybe it, it becomes to be the best doctor you can be. And then maybe it becomes to be the best father you can be. Maybe it means uh, this season of your life, you need to heal your body. You need to get in touch with your emotions. Uh, it could be any number of things and it changes. But if you don't listen to it, that energy lingers. Mm. It's like, how many people do you know that's like, yeah, this is the year I'm going to take care of my health. And then mm -hmm. they say the same thing the next year and the same thing that that's lingering energy because they didn't actually fucking do it. Mm. And the purpose of becoming requires you to pay attention to what life is obviously telling you to fucking do. It may not be what you like or what you want to do. It may not be actually, it may be in conflict with what you think your purpose of bringing is the material thing. It may be a conflict to that. It may mean you need to sit down and fucking rest for a month, six months, a year. And that's what I had to do. And so sometimes we don't want to do it because it's likely uncomfortable. Hmm. Um, but if we don't, it lingers. And we, we, if it's lingering, we can't find clarity of our purpose of bringing. We can't find that material thing because this lingering energy is just always biting at our heels. It's always like a weight we're dragging along. And so that's the second, second level is the, the purpose of becoming. And then the most esoteric, and this is more of like from a philosophical, spiritual standpoint, is um, the purpose of being. And it's simply this idea that if we can be present in this moment right now, if I can be present with the three of you, I can be present on this podcast, then that in itself is purpose. That is the purpose of this moment. And if people can, I worked backwards intentionally because the first one is easier to grasp and then the second one a little less and then the third one even less. But if we can start with just being present with everything, our entire reality, what will arise out of that? is our purpose of becoming. And what will arise out of the dealing with the purpose of becoming is the purpose of bringing. And anytime you feel like you're off of purpose, come back to the first level and just get present with what your life is. Get present with what you're doing in the world. Get present with your relationships. And, and, and that's all you need to do in that moment. And it will arise out of there. And something new will arise, and it may mean you have to make changes in your life. And you do that, you get present again, and then something new arises, and it gets clearer and clearer and clearer. Um, but if we're always focused on the external material, it's like we're we're just creating purpose from the ego mind, and that's why it never feels like right. It never feels fully authentic. Even that thing, like people that write that have an amazing life and they write their life memoirs and they publish it. If they were truly honest with themselves, which most people that live great lives are, they're not done. That was just the purpose that needed to come out at that time. And if they get present again, something else comes. Maybe it's like, okay, now I'm, now I'm going to pass on knowledge to the next generation. Maybe I'm going to become a teacher. 
or a sage. Mm. And, and so it's like, there's always a version of purpose, but sometimes it just needs to be whittled down to like, what's my purpose in this moment right now? Yeah, I love that process. And I love the layers because it enables you to, one of the challenges that I had in the beginning of hearing um, some spiritual teachers was, was to hear the words like be present. Eckhart Tolle would talk about this all the time and I would be like, okay, great. Be present. What the fuck does that mean about my purpose? Uh, what am I doing here? You know, I'd, I'd be, it confused the shit out of me. And um, part of it is my own impatience at the time. Um, and part of it was also that it's an incomplete solution or it's an incomplete way of thinking about it. So I really like that you were saying, tap back into presence, into the present moment, cultivate that, that experience of, oh wait, I'm only living one second at a time. Like the way I experience reality is in linear time. So I'm literally only experiencing in this moment. And I can zoom up a level and say what feels purposeful in this season of my life. And then zoom up a level and look at, okay, what is my soul here, who, my personhood, my highest self here to do? What is my intuition leading me towards? Uh, if soul sounds like a big word for you, intuition, your heart maybe. Let's use that. Um, so I, I really, really like that. I think that's a really, really powerful way to people think about purpose. And I believe it would be super, super powerful for anyone who is listening. And I also encourage everyone that, Part of this is, is, is it's not a cognitive experience. It's not you figured it out. All right, Chris gave me the solution. <laughs> He's gave me the three tiers. Cool, I'm gonna journal on those and I've got to figure it out. It's, it's, it's a feeling and it's also experiential in terms of feedback from your environment and your life. So you say these things, you put these things on paper, you start to, you start to gauge what it is, this sensation. And then you go out in the world and you test it out and you see what's coming back to you and you go, wow, I actually, I feel like I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm actually feeling off of my axis. I'm not aligned. And so you return back to that present moment. And it's amazing to be able to use that, that, uh, that process to also remember that your purpose, what might be this larger thing is isn't the entire equation you're still a human who's living a life and so the by externalizing it constantly you're fucking missing it you're missing the thing which is like to breathe and to love and to experience life while you're doing this thing that's bringing you forward as well so have you do you, can you speak on that a little bit how we can you know use use our purpose and and, and hold that while at the same time living a full life yeah, I, I would say that it requires a shift in perspective that they're in conflict with each other. Mm. If you believe that, then they always will be in conflict with each other. But I believe that the more moments I'm present for, the more I'm moving in the direction towards my greatest purpose. And I'm, mm. I, a more accurate statement would be when I'm fully present, I'm living on purpose. That's all purpose is. In this moment, it was purposeful. That I'm, I'm on purpose right now. 
Like right now in this moment, I'm not thinking about the book that I'm writing or the program that I'm creating or this retreat in the future. I'm right here. And this is my purpose of this moment. That thing is going to be there. And there's going to be a time, maybe it's an hour from now or next week, where I zoom into that purpose. And I get so fucking present with this, this thing that I'm creating or whatever it is. And, and, and fast forward a few years from now when I have kids, I'm going to zoom the fuck in. And my purpose for that moment is to be present for that child. And, and only that child. We can do that with our partners as well. And what, what, what I realize in, in doing this is what, what I lived 33 years trying to achieve, I can achieve in one moment when I just get fully present with the moment. Pure fulfillment, pure satisfaction with my life in this moment because this is the exact purpose that I'm choosing to be. And I think that's the gift of this is that if we're, if our mind is always somewhere else, the past, the future, another thought, a to-do list, you miss out on the exact, exact thing that you're chasing. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a fucking good way to say it. Say that one more time for everybody to hear that again, please. All right, I'll try to remember what I said. Sometimes I don't even know. Um, so, if you're, so if your mind is anywhere else but this moment, if it's on what you need to do after this podcast or on the stress of work or on the fight you had with your partner earlier today, if it's anywhere but right now, you are missing out on exactly what you're chasing by thinking about all those things. Mm, that's that sense of satisfaction of beingness that you're looking for is already here. Yeah. Yeah. And are, we tend to think we know what it is that we want instead of realizing that the thing that we want, we're actually experiencing right now. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Damn. I'm going to. Uh, yeah, go ahead. No, Mike. no, that no, go ahead, John. I was just gonna say Take that's a mic drop. Yeah, that people. is a mic drop. Uh, you've taken us through a journey from, you know, burnt out entrepreneur to, uh, long yeah, hippie. living long haired hippie living in presence, um, through belief. We've we've weaved some some stories and rites of passage and purpose, and these are the big scary things that uh, scary quote unquote. It's a lot of you know limiting beliefs out there about this, but that a lot of veterans uh, have challenges with because there's, they're big, big questions. There's these like, you know, questions that I was asking myself that most of us are at some point, because the process of being in the military uh, necessitates you already going into it with this. I want to serve a grander purpose, a greater purpose, something larger than myself. There is nothing larger than yourself. Like the, the the experience of being in presence was Chris was just talking about. All these layers, like you now have the tools, or at least from this podcast, you have the exposure to what we're talking about and to, to think about purpose a lot more deeply across a broad spectrum of things that allow you to look at yourself and your life 
both from the perspective where you're currently standing to what you will be to what you will quote unquote achieve as your your intuition your soul your higher self leads you in that direction um and i'm super happy that you're on with us today yeah, yeah. chris thank you and i, I was gonna add like if all this like sounds like really woo woo and spiritual from where you're at like I also want to say that like there's like material world advantages to doing this. Like I I live a a better life for what I like I'll say this another way. So I make more money working like 10 hours a week than I do than I used to make like 100 hours a week. I am more fit at 36 than I was at 26 cuz my my body was so broken. Uh, like there's real material benefits to it. It's not just it's not just woo woo, but it it requires. It I, I think about it this way is like going back to the training analogy. So, if you wanted to, if you were, if you were training for, we'll do something simple like uh, a marathon. You would want the best, most efficient plan to get to your end goal of the finish line. Maybe there's a time on it or whatever, but there's, you could probably Google it right now. There's a hundred different marathon training plans. I'm going to go with the person that has proved it and the one that I trust and the one that like feels good for my life and my body. And, and I'm going to achieve that goal of running the marathon because I've committed to that very specific plan. And so I completely forgot where I was getting at with this. But <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. Okay. So th this is it in the moment of slowing down the the ego mind gets put on. Um, it, it gets, it gets um, triggered. It gets put on alert because it's doing something different. And it's only, so it's only the choice to slow down. That's the hard part. And so I, I this is what I want to do. I wanted to make the, the process of presence more tangible. That's what I was going to get mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. is when you choose to, to break the pattern, to slow down, you slow down your breath, you slow down your, your, your speech, you slow down your body and, and then you do it again and you do it again. And you do it again and you keep slowing down. And every time you slow down, it's like the example of when I woke up and my vision was better every day. Every time you slow down, you will see more. And, and you don't have to do it very often. This is what I was going to get at is you only need to choose the training plan once. Once you have clarity on it, then it's like you, you move forward. You do in the world. That's the masculine. You, you take action. You, you do the plan. And then occasionally you really have to zoom back. You have to widen the gaze and say, okay, I've been doing this plan for, for three months, for six months, for a year, for 10 years. Is it time for a new plan? And that's what I was getting at is, is like the zooming out and the slowing down is your opportunity to see what's really happening inside of you and in your life. And that's really what presence is, is you're just seeing what's really there rather than what you're telling yourself is there as you're moving mm -hmm. so fast. 
and, and, and I like to say that, especially in like hard driving audiences that are used to going fast, going hard is because it doesn't take as much work and as much time as you think. It just <laughs> takes commitment to doing it. Like, like my, like I didn't think the way I live today was even possible three years ago. And if you told me it would take me three years to get here, I would say bullshit. Yeah, more like 20. <laughs> I didn't think it was possible. Yeah. Mm. But once I let that go and I just committed to the process, I didn't have to like continuously be choosing a new plan. I was like, okay, this works. This model works. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go in this direction. This feels really good. Okay. I get to a point where it no longer serves me. So I, I revisit, I go through another rite of passage and um, the process gets smoother every time. You start, you keep trusting more. Yeah. You yeah. enjoy discomfort more. Yes. You shift your relationship to everything. Yeah. It's like, it's not even discomfort anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, like what other people would say is discomfort. And, and I, even like, I'm like, I guess, like, maybe, but I'm still <laughs> doing it. Like, I don't know. What, what is discomfort? I, yeah. I, I love asking those questions. People say, oh, it's hard or it's a challenge. Okay, what is hard? Mm-hmm. What is discomfort? According to whom? Yeah. What's hard for you is easy for me or vice yeah. versa. Yeah. And like, what does that even mean? Oh, what hard. does that mean? Yeah. yeah. You decided it was going to be hard and well, exactly. you're going to view everything as making it hard. So congratulations. You've made it hard. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I remember uh, this idea was proposed to me by someone that I've worked with recently where <sighs> this concept of, you know, we want everything to be predictable because in predictability, there's safety, right? Whether that's the, whether that predictability is, is the outcome that we want doesn't matter is the brain's like, oh, this is predictable. This is why we get stuck in our old patterns and our old stories. Because, you know, if every time I went and asked a girl out, I got rejected, well, that's predictable. And if that's predictable, I know how I'm going to feel. Now I don't have to worry about the change of that. And so he posed a question of like, you know, what if it's, what if it's the other way around? What if our soul craves the unpredictability, because that's where we're actually learning and growing. And so instead of resisting that, it's leaning into it. And, you know, through that process, it's what we're talking about is you get to change that relationship. So now all of a sudden it's not difficult. It's not hard to be with change. It's like understanding like, oh, wait a minute. What if this is what I'm actually seeking? What if this is what my soul on its deepest level really wants? And if, if, if you can ask yourself that question and the answer is yes, then all of a sudden like life gets significantly different and you can start leaning into those uncomfortable moments and, you know, leaning in, you know, we talked about, you know, using fear as a compass, right? Like all of a sudden all those things start to line up more and it's like, Oh, wait a minute. If I look back on every moment of my life, like I didn't learn and grow through all the easy predictable moments. Like I learned and grew from all the difficult things that kicked my ass. And the reason why they kicked my ass is because I was resisting it. So what if I just stop resisting even just a little bit? Yeah. What, what can that do in my life? So. And yeah, I, I love that. And it's like, if we were to make it binary, just if you could choose to either try to make your life certain or just learn how to deal with and be with uncertainty and then never have to worry about any of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you mentioned this earlier at the beginning of the conversation, um, the phrase, it'll all be all right. Um, I was talking to some person that I met at a 
dinner party and he said, when did it ever not work out? When did it ever not be all right? You're like, if it didn't turn out, I would be dead right now. So it's already worked out. So like, when is it never going to work out for you? Wise, wise words right there. <laughs> wise guy that I'll probably never see again. <laughs> thank you, Paul. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Chris, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, that was a great final point, bringing in the seemingly esoteric into practicality. It is truly a daily practice that you can bring to your life. It's not necessary. Hey, listen. We love the esoterics. We, we, it's awesome to go down the rabbit holes and, and figure out how this all works together. And uh, we wouldn't be great coaches if we couldn't apply it to your life or help you apply it to your life. So um, on that note, Chris, thank you again for being here with us. It was awesome. Uh, where can people find you and your work? Yeah, the best place uh, to find my work is trainingcampforthesoul.com. Uh, or training camp for the soul on Instagram. And then people can find me personally at Chris Marhefka, my full name. Um, yeah, learn about everything that I do, offerings that I have, weird shit that I'm into, everything. Uh, yeah. It's only weird at first. You'll get used to it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for being with us today again, Chris. All right, y'all. Thank you all so much. Peace. <laughs>